Welcome into the newest episode of Side Mission. I'm your host, as always, Rusty Ellis, joined by two of the boys today, Matt Beck, Alex Thacker, but we just call him Thacker. And we're talking about one of the most hyped-up releases of the year, one of the most hyped-up sequels, I think, of recent memory, and it's Horizon Forbidden West. And as somebody who I enjoyed Horizon Zero Dawn, I wasn't in love with that game like a lot of other people were. I didn't think that game was amazing. I thought that the gameplay was. I thought the story was very average. Uh, yeah. Forbidden West, and I think we can all agree with this, Forbidden West is a nice change of pace from the two games we've talked about so far this year, being Pokemon Legends and Dying Light 2, whereas both of those kind of had their issues, were fun at points, but had their issues. Pokemon Legends I kind of grew to like a little bit more as I played it more after the episode. But Dying Light 2, obviously, none of us... Really, <laughs> none of us really loved that game, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah, that has changed, changed for, for me. I haven't even touched it recently. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not even on my system anymore. So it got uninstalled <laughs> yeah, as soon as I was bad. done. So, But Horizon Forbidden West, uh, I, Matt, I'll start with you because I know you were probably the most excited of all of us about this game. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I said multiple times when I was playing it that compared to those first two games we reviewed and we talked about, this was a very nice palate cleanser. Because in every way, shape, and form, I feel like this game not only met expectations, but greatly exceeded them. Oh, absolutely. Uh, this game, pretty much for me, is what started off um, this year's you know, new next-gen game that we have seen. And um, it has absolutely lived up to the build-up, to the hype for it for me, especially because uh, it's been several years since the first one came out, which I believe was in uh, 2017. So when this game finally came out, I was so excited to play it, and it it definitely uh, exceeded my expectations. I have been greatly en enjoying it so much. Um, a lot of the same mechanics are here, so for any fans from the first game, it's going to feel very familiar to you. It's just pick up the controller, you get started, and it's everything's very familiar. They introduce a lot of new different concepts as well. Um, uh, the uh, story here dev delves more into like the whole you know situation with what happened after like during the before the zero dawn incident occurred and yeah. you learning of these new characters uh, that um, you found out about this group called Zenith which the Zenith actually, yeah the Zenith this really took me by surprise because I was not expecting to see this more futuristic aspect to Horizon Zero Dawn uh, which felt more like um, it's, it's so weird to say this, but it's like the way that the game is setting is, it's like it takes place in the future, but it, you know, nothing really feels futuristic about it except for yeah. anything that was involving the past. The past is what feels futuristic to you, whereas everything else feels like, you know, more um, prehistoric, like, hey, prehistoric. like pre prehistoric. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So seeing this increase, like this, uh, this new, like look into, um, into that whole aspect is, beautiful to see that and it definitely expands upon the story which to me in the very first game the story was a little kind of out there but this introduces more sci-fi which which is definitely where the first game was heading and, and this game is like the full realization of that and um Aloy Aloy has become one of my favorite PlayStation characters in recent memory honestly like this game has cemented her upon the PlayStation greats with like Nathan Drake um Kratos uh, Ratchet, Jack and Daxter, and all of them, and I love the fact that Aloy's finally getting the love that um, that she deserves, and they really did a great job with her character in this game. Like, she feels very real. She doesn't feel, like, one-dimensional like a lot of other video game characters uh, protagonists do. 
Like she's, uh, she, she went through so much in the first game, finding out the fact that she's the clone of uh, this woman named Elizabeth Sobek, who was the, uh, basically the uh, the leader the designer of uh zero dawn yep. and gaia which you learn a lot about that in this game it, it expands into more of that which is fantastic to see you know so i have a weird stance on something i thought about this a few days ago uh, when i was just looking back on my time with this game so here was my biggest criticism of zero dawn and i think matt you've probably heard me say this before Thacker, I don't know if you have, because I don't know if me and you have ever really talked about the first game before. I don't think we've talked about it very much. Uh, I think that Horizon Zero Dawn is a game that has 10 out of 10 gameplay with a 7 out of 10 story and 6 out of 10 characters. And Mm -hmm. the only character I didn't have an issue with, or the only character that I really grew to care about in the first game was Aloy. And Aloy is a great character. I think that in this game, especially if I want to be nitpicky, they have improved really everything from the first game in terms of the gameplay, in terms of the setting, the environment, uh, the characters big time, and the story big time. I think the characters and the story... Uh, yeah, the machines and the designs of the machines as well. But the characters and the story specifically for me were the two biggest issues with the first game. I didn't really care about most of the characters, and I thought the story was kind of was okay. It was a little odd, I didn't really think that it flowed great at times, but I think that they they definitely figured out where they wanted to go with the story in this game, and I praise them for that because knowing knowing the direction you want to go in as a writer is massive. That is huge for the creative process. And they clearly knew where they wanted to go, and it, it tells because this story flows a whole lot better. And the characters are more well-written as a, as a byproduct of that as well. Agreed. I have to be honest. If there's anything in this game that took a step back, in my opinion, and this might be controversial, I do think it was Aloy. And the reason I say that is because I get that the whole point of her arc, and this is not just to disagree with Matt, this is something that I've thought about and I've tried to find ways to word this properly. So I'll, I'll, do, my, I'll do my best to kind of explain this and I'll let Thacker kind of get into his thoughts about the story and the characters. But... With Aloy, I know that there's supposed to be some kind of an arc of she starts out in the beginning and she believes that she's the only one that can do this and she has to do it alone and can't do it with any help. My problem is, is that dynamic persists for way too long. That dynamic is there for just about the entire game. Until yeah, I think you, I, you and I actually talked about that some. Yeah, like it's one of those where it's like, okay, at a certain point, I need to see growth and I need to see when you've made all these these allies you made all these friends along the way that are all here willing to help you at a certain point i need to see some growth a little bit earlier than we did and now that's a nitpick again i think aloy is a fantastic character and i think that i don't know who voices her off the top of my head but whoever voices her yes she is ashley birch okay you know i knew her name was ashley i didn't know okay ashley birch fair enough she does a fantastic job, though, as Aloy. And the voice acting throughout the entire game is fantastic. Again, miles better than Dying Light 2, where it sounded like everybody was phoning it in. But <laughs> but with, with, with Aloy, and I'll let you go on, Thacker, from there. With Aloy, my thing is, if I had seen that kind of opening up a little bit earlier in the game, I would have said this game is an improvement on every single front. Now, that being said, that's a huge nitpick. And I don't think that that really hurts what I think of the game. And Thacker, I think you would agree with that. No, and I'd agree. Hands down. And, like, the voice acting in this in general was 
far better than we got with Zero Dawn. And three characters outside of Aloy that really just stuck even better were Barl, um, Silence, and Aaron. Like, you could really tell the cast for them actually got so much better with this game. Like, John Hopkins, who actually is the voice of Aaron, and John McMillan, who is the voice of Barl, you could really tell that there was not only the connection in-game, but you could tell that their friendship outside of the game reflected it in-game as well. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And yeah. just even Silence, uh voice actor, who is, I don't know if you know this, but it's Lance Riddick. Okay, I've heard the name before. Tell me what that's from. So Lance Riddick, uh, he's a bigger name for different games in general. Um, you see him in John Wick. Um, oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, he's in all three John Wicks. He's in um, White House Down. Um, who else, Where else is he in? Um, Godzilla vs. King Kong, actually. Oh, okay, okay. Like, if I showed you a picture of him, you guys would instantly recognize him. Okay, so they, I'm just looking up. So they actually used his likeness for Silence. Okay, I yeah, got you. Um, that's the thing. They used the likeness for a lot of them as well. Okay. That's cool. I didn't know that. I dig that. And that's one thing. When I found that out and actually dove a little bit deeper in on it, I was like, this is actually really interesting. And from that, you could see that they even brought that like love for each other out of game in the game as well because you even see it where when you first meet Aaron he's having he's holding that grudge for Alo not saying uh goodbye from Zero Dawn. Yeah. Yeah. Like you could see he's holding that grudge and hear it in the voice and everything. Even with Barl's personal need to continuously help Aloy even though she doesn't want it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can see that they're actually doing that because Coming back together from five years to making this game, there's that time missing where you don't really see each other, especially with COVID, mm-hmm. that you could see the difference happening. Yeah. Yeah. And it just brought the story even for closer to being one of the great games of this year. Yeah, I think where characters were the weak point of the first game for me, I think they really were the carrying point of this game. And that says a lot considering how good the gameplay is as well. The gameplay is fantastic. Uh, just as just as good as the first game, if not better. And I truly mean that. I don't know how the first game's gameplay got better, but it somehow did in this game. Uh, you know, with just the bow combat, the Mac, you know, the Max being able to knock off weak points. I know Thacker got obsessed with that during several side <laughs> missions I watched him do. But... Hey, it was one of those I enjoyed upgrading my gear better. Yeah, like, it, 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 you, it, you felt like you had more purpose to doing stuff like that. And I think that that's, that's an, for an open world game, it's very easy nowadays for open world games to kind of hit that repetitive feeling and to kind of have that, okay, I've been here before, I've been there, done that, I've seen this before, there's nothing new. Well, for an open world game to feel as fresh as this one did, and I think for the most yeah. part it does feel fresh, I think that that's 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 pretty that's pretty outstanding, and I know that there's another big open world game that hint hint just came out recently, and we're going to talk about that here soon. But <laughs> this game really does make open world feel fresh in in just how it plays, 
how you travel. And I think that that's one thing they also improved on the first game is how you get around. I mean, yeah. Matt, we were talking about it. You remember in the first game how, how you had to fast travel in this game? You had to have fast yes, travel yes. kits, dude, and it sucked. Yes. Now you just right, find yeah. a now you just find a bonfire and you just you fast travel from that. It's a whole lot easier. Like they have them, but that's not when but, you're like out. But they're not your loan. But they're not your loan. They're not your loan way to do it. I mean, there's bonfires are so like there's more bonfires in this than there when there were in Dark Souls three. And Dark Souls three had quite a few bonfires. If you don't know, had quite a few bonfires. That eh, fuck the bingo card. Anyways, uh, so I think that there's quality of life improvements. Uh, the settings, Matt. That's what me and you also wanted to talk about. The settings. Yeah. Because yeah. the settings were... They were really good in Zero Dawn. I feel like the settings really steal the show in this game. Yeah, the environments in this game are absolutely beautiful. And it really does take advantage of the PlayStation 5's hardware. Which I'm very surprised considering that this is a cross-gen game. Which I know a lot of people were disappointed about when uh, it was first announced that... Uh, this was also going to be on the PlayStation 4, and a lot of people thought that the game was going to be affected by that, like the PlayStation 5 version of the game, but that's not true at all. Uh, they've Right before the release of the game, they actually did demonstrate quite a few uh, videos of the PlayStation 4 version of the game, which is not it's not anything to not look, to look away at. Like The game is beautiful regardless of what system you're playing it on. And my least favorite areas being like snow areas, because there was just so much of that in the first game, but they, you know, I, I didn't have much of a complaint about it here because, like I said, the game is just so realistically be- like uh, realized. It's so beautiful to look at. And um, there's even these areas, like I just did here recently, where you're in Las Vegas, but it's like everything's yeah. underwater, which was so cool to see that, especially once you get the uh, the breathing mass, so you're able to dive underwater and stand there longer. And this whole area that you're exploring, which is just casinos and all of that, which, you know, you see Las Vegas now, now just, just like imagine if Las Vegas became Atlantis. That whole section, um, that whole section's fucking crazy. They did, they did, they just did so much stuff here in this game, like, that I would have loved to have seen in the first game, and it still just sticks to its roots. It, you know, there's still very familiar areas, grassy areas. Um, I would have really have liked to have seen something that involves you going into, like, you know, like a, like a sky village with, like, you know, you're up in the trees and everything like that, which would have been cool to see. Hmm. But um, a couple of other areas that I really took interest in was, was Plain Song. When you got there, it was beautiful. Like, it was just, like, houses, huts made out of bamboo. Um, the Ataru, which are the locals of the area. I, mm-hmm. I love their whole, like, the outfit designs uh, that they have. And then you have the tribes, the Tanoth, uh, each have their own different, like, um, you know, painting on them because it's, you know, they're tribes and they, they follow that whole thing. And they each have, like, their own unique um, aspects to it, like the Tanoth are just these, uh, you know, warriors. Kind of savages, you know, yeah. Kind of savages, absolutely. yeah. And there's this whole misunderstanding about them that you even hear the character Aaron say, which is like, you know, they, uh, they'll they suck your blood out and type things like that. But <laughs> as you're discovering the tribes, it's like you're realizing these are, like, fully realized um, characters, like these tribes. Um, they have, like, different um, characteristics um, there's one in general that I remember, which I, was actually one of my favorite storylines in the game, where you go up to this giant wall that I think was called the Bulwark, 
and the main tribe leader of there, uh, he's basically, you know, huffing and puffing his chest about. Is this the know, one where you bring it down? Yeah, where you bring the exactly. wall down. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that was awesome. I agree. Continue. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. And it was just, I love the fact that you're just like, you know what? I'm going to basically bring this guy down a few notches. Like Aloy discovers that the uh, the giant boulders that are uh, creating the defense around the area it, it's very impenetrable because they're always like saying. You know, you can't bring this wall down. We're untouchable. And then Aloy proves them wrong, which actually leads into one of my very favorite quests in this game because you're with uh, the marshal of the uh, of the Sky Clan. Uh, I'm trying to remember what his name was. Um, but this is where you actually end up encountering one of the probably best machines fights I have ever experienced in this series, which was this giant mammoth-sized machine. Yeah. That fight was absolutely the, incredible. The yeah, exactly. Um, that that whole section was so incredible, fighting him for the first time. Um, I'm not going to lie, I died a few times here. <laughs> and honestly, just the machines in this game in general, like matching their environments is perfect. Like in the area when you're underwater in Vegas, you basically fight this uh, Loch Ness monster, which that was a really fun fight. That um, shit was terrifying. I know. That I mean, shit honestly, was terrifying. I, when you went underwater, I was honestly nervous about having to do, like, underwater fighting. But when Ed was like, hey, I can't fight these things underwater, I was like, oh, thank God. Because no matter what game I have played, underwater combat has never been done right. Facts! So I, wasn't, I was not <laughs> expecting it to be done in this game either. So when you drained the water and you fought it on land, I was like, oh, okay, cool. Now I can actually do this fight. And then also seeing familiars like the Thunder Jaw, which still strikes fear mm-hmm. for me every time I see one. Yeah. I literally killed my first one by hiding. Yeah. See, Thacker, Thacker, Thacker. I was gonna. I don't even want y'all to mention that. I was gonna. I was gonna go to Thacker next with that because I know that was one of his favorite side missions was was going up against a thunder jaw that he was like five levels too weak for. And he. Yeah, I, I looked back at it, my dude. I was not five levels. I was fifteen. It was fifteen, and you were ten. Calm down. You're not. We're not. We're not. We're not gonna have that energy here. It was a level fifteen. You were a level ten. Chill out. You still got your ass whipped. Anyways, I'm just kidding. Well, I, uh, I got that thing torn apart. <laughs> you did. You did. Now you did end up. You did end up killing it. And I will say the persistence was impressive because at a certain point I would have said fuck it. Um, I'll no, say you're this. not thinking the Thunderjaw. You're thinking the uh, the turtle thing. Oh, same oh, thing. Turtle, turtle, alligator. They're all the same. As we say, um, as we say in journalism, close enough. Um, I'll, <laughs> finish, I'll finish off with this. Um, I cheesed the hell out of the Thunderjaw by hiding behind a rock and then running around and then shooting off its parts. So that's how I killed my first one. Oh, uh, you played like a bitch, then. <laughs> you played like a bitch. I don't like that. I'm just kidding. No, you got to do whatever you got to do. No, the, the the machines definitely are also part of the combat. Honestly, is what shines in this game the most. And I, there's so much in this game that does shine, but the combat really does take, in my opinion, again, just the front seat here because it was already almost perfect in the first game, and it feels so tight and pinpoint and accurate. And I don't think there was ever really many moments. And I mean, I don't, at least not to my immediate memory. Where I looked back and like I died and said, "Oh, that's bullshit." Like most of the time, if I died or if I failed a mission, I typically knew why it happened. And I think that in a game like this, where the combat is so prevalent, I feel like that's important. Thacker, I know you loved the side missions. That's kind of a good little segue 
for about the hundred jaw and uh, whatever the fuck the turtle was into that. Uh, but I know that you spent a lot of time on the side missions before you got really going on the story. Talk about those because I think what a lot of people need to know about this game is that not only is the story really good, but there's also a lot of quality side content when you're not doing main story missions. You're not wrong at all. The side missions, it, it actually feels like you're making a difference with the story. Even though, yes, a lot of the side missions don't impact the main story at all, at the same time, you feel like you're actually like you're actually helping Aloy make a difference in the game, in the world, and everything by helping out doing these little quests that are could be as simple as just hey, research what's going on with this because somebody's fucking everything up. Yeah. Um, and it's one of those things that it just feels nice to actually have that in a game, especially when it comes to. Not only the reward system, which most of the time it's either metal scraps, which if you don't know by now, that's your money system. But at the same time, you also get the nice dialogue. You get the um, it, their own little story for these side missions. It's not just, as we saw in Dying Light, fetch quests and yep. everything. It's more of, hey, you want to start this side mission? Cool, go for it. And then while you're doing that, you get your own cutscenes, dialogue, everything, to where it actually feels like it's supposed yeah. to be part of the story. And it's just one of those things that brings a nice change of pace to the story. It brings a nice, relaxing part to, instead of you wanting to just blast through the story and finish it in the allotted time that they say it takes, which was what? 20 hours? I think it's 25 to 30 was what they said an average playthrough would take. But, I mean, I took 19 and I kind of rushed through a lot of the story stuff. So, it's one of yeah. those, it kind of depends on the player. And at the same time, if you do the side missions and you want to actually take the time with the game, and with that, you've got to research where did the uh, Razorbacks come from. Um, you've got to figure out where, like, why work has stopped. And all of this, and when you finally finish it, they end up kicking the guy completely out of there. Yep. They yeah, kick him completely out of chain trade, <laughs> and they're like, no, fuck you. We don't want you here. We don't need you. <laughs> fuck your decree. Fuck all of this. You can fucking leave. <laughs> and the and the new person in charge ends up being a buddy of yours from um, the first game, Dawn, being Petra. Yeah. Yep. Like, Again, it's not part of the main story. You can blow past it, not even worry about it. But actually being able to do that and see a familiar face from Zero Dawn, such as Petra, come to light and actually get her own responsibilities was beautiful. Actually, something I would like to point out is if you do certain like character-based side quests, there's actually different dialogue in certain uh, certain cities that you'll encounter depending on like exactly what quest you did, which I thought was really cool. Yeah, like for real. The other nice thing is you actually, it's not really a side mission or side quest, but it's character dialogue. With some of these major characters, your choices matter on the dialogue that you get. Like when you first say hi to, like, find Aaron and everything, at the end of the conversation, you have a choice between three things, which is um, an option between, like, logical emotional and 
can't remember what the third one was. Kind of like it's kind of like distant. It's something like that. I don't remember what I don't remember what exactly the 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 phrasing is of it. But it's like logical emotional, and then the last one is like kind of like a distant answer. Exactly, Aloy being Aloy. <laughs> Pretty much. And the thing is, depending on your answer, kind of relates to how these characters react with Aloy. Mm-hmm. So you could essentially, and I, this is mind blowing, the fact that you could do this. Essentially, you can take Aaron's grudge and pretty much just make it disappear. Yeah. With your decisions of how you want to have a conversation with them. And it's just side missions, one of those that I know some people don't enjoy them. I enjoyed the fuck out of the side missions on this game a hundred thousand percent more than I did the last game we reviewed. Yeah, I think that in open world games, that's the important thing here is that in open world games, you need riveting side content in addition to that story content. And I think that there are people that focus just on story, whereas there's people that explore more. But you've got to be able to cater to both, and I think this game does that very, very well. So the last thing I'm going to ask us to do here is I want us to nitpick a little bit. What's the biggest gripe you can come up with this game? Matt, we can start with you. What's the biggest kind of gripe you can come up with the game? There's one thing that kind of bugged you. What was it? So to this day, and this is also from the first game that also bugged me as two, are when you take over outposts, I do not enjoy fighting human AI in this game. Um, I know they definitely improved on the melee combat system. They added different combos, different techniques, which you can expand upon that if you do uh, like pit training. So I was happy to see that, but it's still to me, it's just not enjoyable fighting humans, but Luckily, during a lot of those fights, you skin, you do get to fight machines, and that's really the bread and butter for me of this game series, are the machines, which I feel like are the stars of the game. Um, but yeah, fighting outposts, taking out the enemies, just it's, it's not fun for me. I much prefer um, skipping those at most, but unfortunately, as kind of a completionist of kind of these open world games like this, I do do them. But uh, it's probably my biggest gripe on the game. Yeah, I, I'm kind of with you there. That like I don't know if that's my. It's not my biggest gripe, but I will say if there's any point where the combat does kind of falter, human enemies, human enemies, and again, it was the same in the first game. So that maybe that is one thing they didn't improve. It's just not fun because also for the most part with human enemies, especially if you stay in stealth. There's no real nuance to the combat. You get a headshot, you pretty much get a one shot kill. Yeah. So there's not really a lot of nuance to the combat there. Again, it's just a gripe. That's what I asked you to do was just kind of nitpick a little bit. So it's not it's not a deal breaker. The game is still fantastic. But that is something that I look at and I say, yeah, that, that maybe maybe a little bit less of that, a little bit more of the mech combat. And that's just kind of the way I would look at it. Thacker, what about you? What's a nitpick you have with this game? To be honest with you, on this game, I only had two real big nitpicks. And one of them's not even that big. The one that's not that big is, I'm sorry, I get it, but at the same time, Aloy's lone wolf attitude, outcast attitude, yeah. that that should have yeah. just gone. That yeah. should have disappeared. I get it. You were raised as an outcast. At the same time, we didn't need that anymore. Um, And then my other one, and it really, surprisingly, I love the new mechanic to the game. I love how it actually felt something new. I didn't use it all that much because it didn't seem to really be all that needed. The skill point system. And I know they're probably going to get some backlash from somebody, but 
Rusty, you were in a party with me watching my screen, and at one point you were like, Thacker, you've got 10 skill points. Why are you using that? Legitimately. Yeah. I get, tree, yeah. It wasn't needed for me. I guess that is an interesting point of, like, that's an interesting point of contention just because I think that there were good things in the skill tree. But I will say that this skill tree, and I know, again, this is going to sound like a broken record because of how many times we've ragged on Cyberpunk in the past, but it felt like this skill tree had a lot of same issues that Cyberpunk did where it wasn't really skills that you were getting, at least most of the time. It more or less felt like it was, like, stat increases. Like, yeah. like, okay, you gain this ability, and then every time, you know, from here on out when you invest in this tree, it more or less just increases that ability. And, like, the special abilities were cool. I used a lot of the medic ability where it was, you know, when you drink this potion, you constantly regain health every second, and I maxed that yeah. out. And I got to a point where I was essentially God at that point. That was fucking <laughs> awesome. And that's the thing. <laughs> I was using more of the beast, uh, like the mech system, where it was easier to break off pieces for crafting and i only did that because of the simple fact of i did not want to spend 30 minutes taking down a machine just for like three parts yeah so i mean that's those are my two gripes for rc what about you man what are your gripes? so i think matt was in the party when this happened my gripe is performance related oh yes so yes. first things first and i want to talk about this because i don't know that the three of us and really kyle i know kyle's played only a little bit of the game and he probably hadn't seen a lot of this did anybody else think that the pop-in in this game was a little excessive? It was jarring. I've had moments in cutscenes where there was some really weird pop-ins going on, and it was very distracting. Yeah, like, there would be a cutscene where it would, like, load on Aloy's face, and, like, everything in the yeah. background would just pop in. And, yeah. and, and listen, like, we'll be consistent, because obviously the elephant in the room that we're going to be talking about soon is Elden Ring, and Elden Ring does have that similar issue with a little bit of pop-in. There is an issue there yeah. as well. I just don't know how that's an issue in 2022, you know? Like, that's... So many of the issues that happen when it comes to game performance nowadays, I just... I chalk it up to... I, I don't know... Or I, what I end up saying is I don't know how these end up happening, especially in this year. We have the technology we have. How do these issues still exist? Especially when the console, like the PS5 is as powerful as it is. When the Series X is as powerful as it is, it doesn't seem like that should be happening. So the pop-in was bad, but my real gripe was about three or four times in this game, and Matt was present for the first one, mm -hmm. I hit some bad frame rate drops. I'm talking it was a smooth 60, and then all of a sudden it dipped into like the teens, like 15, 16, 17 frames per second, uh, and I had to like reload my game to get it back to 60. Now, again, you might say, well, over the course of a 19-hour, you know, playthrough, that's not, you know, three times that's happening, that's not that bad. Well, but the thing is, is that, that you don't forget that. You don't forget that, and then the moment it happens a second time, you begin to think, okay, how regular of, occurrence is this, of an occurrence is this going to be? And that always, when I was in the middle of battles, well, you know, especially when things were going crazy and there were flashing lights everywhere and there's so much going on that the PS5 has to account for on screen, I'm sitting there going, okay, is this going to be where the game crashes? Okay, is this going to be where the frame rate drops to 15 and I die and have to redo all of this again? You know, it, 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 it just, the performance, I wish it had been a little bit better. When the game is running, it runs beautifully. It looks really, really good, and it's one of the best lookings on the look best looking games on the PS5. And that's not bad when you consider that games like Demon Souls, 
um, Spider-Man Miles Morales and Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart all look fantastic on the PS5. So I think that performance-wise, it was really good for the most part, but that 10% of the time or that 5% of the time when it wasn't great, it was pretty rough. The pop-in was pretty rough. The frame rate drops were pretty rough. Thankfully, it didn't end up costing me that much in the long run. But performance-wise, I especially when I know studios like Gorilla, how they have they have all of the they have everything at their disposal disposal that they need. It's inexcusable. And now uh, that doesn't mean that I hated the game. I absolutely love this game. Uh, the question of is it you know the front runner for game of the year? Well, when it first came out and Elden Ring didn't exist, I would have said absolutely. <laughs> now with Elden Ring out, it's a pretty good topic of conversation. At the very least, I think if this game comes in as the second best game that comes out this year, that's pretty fucking good because this game is pretty damn awesome. So that is Horizon Forbidden West, and that is going to do it for this episode of Side Mission. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Side Mission Pod. You can follow me, Thacker, and Matt on there as well. For the boys, I'm Rusty Ellis. Thanks for listening.